Today on Power Tips Unscripted, we talk to Judith Miller, a consultant and facilitator for Remodelers Advantage. As you can imagine, the Great Recession gobbled up a whole slew of remodeling companies. But did you know that more remodeling companies fail during economic expansion than contraction? Sure, growth is great, but it is risky. And knowing how best not to grow is the key to making hay while the sun shines. Judith is going to share her thoughts on that in just a minute. You just mind your P's and Q's, Buster, and remember who you're dealing with. How about a frisk? Hi, this is Victoria Downing, president of Remodelers Advantage, and welcome to Power Tips Unscripted, where we talk about tips, tactics, and techniques to help you build a strong, profitable remodeling company. Here with me is my co-host, Mark Harari. Hello, hello. How are you today? I'm awesome. How are you? I'm great because we get to talk about a really fun topic, and that is company growth. Growth is awesome. It's exciting. Entrepreneurs think grow, grow, grow at all expense. But, you know, there's a lot of, uh, of, of downsides to it, potential downsides to it if you don't do it the right way. Well, it definitely is risky, for mm-hmm. sure. I mean, mm-hmm. if, if you grow too fast and you just don't have the cash flow to, sus- to sustain and support it, and mm-hmm. you can get way ahead of yourself quickly. So you do have to take in, a, especially you kind of get into the whale projects and all that kind mm-hmm. of stuff. And next thing you know, your head's spinning and mm-hmm. you're looking for a job. Mm-hmm. You know, um, our guest today, Judith Miller, who I'm going to introduce in just a minute, she's so good at looking at the big picture of a company, the 30,000-foot view, and she can see when these companies are getting into trouble because they're not keeping the basic best practices in place as they're growing. They take their eye off and they get just too wrapped up in the potential. So she's really good at that. So let me jump in and get her introduced here, all right? Yeah. All right. Judith Miller has been a facilitator for Remodelers Advantage Roundtables for over 15 years. She's a QuickBooks expert, the author of the Remodelers Ultimate Guide to QuickBooks, and she's been a columnist for Remodeling Magazine for over 10 years. Judith is not only a financial guru, but she's also a high-level strategist who understands that the numbers prove your strategy. She loves the challenge of helping good remodelers become more successful every day. Welcome, Judith. Hey, Victoria. Hi, Mark. Thanks for asking me. You betcha. You know, you always bring a good point of view to the table. I mean, you've done a number of these webinars for us over the years, and so we're excited to have you on our podcast. I'm glad to be here. Thanks. This is one of my favorite topics, too. So why is that? That's because my first experience in construction was with a small company in Berkeley, California, who did cabinet-like or interior boat finish-like fine high-end remodels in the Berkeley Hills. And they started to grow, and they grew from 300000 to $18 million in seven years. Oh, my gosh. The thought of I that. I know. The thought. And a lot of people have heard the story, but they went bankrupt in year eight. I left them in year four, and that was because they were chasing volume over growth. And, in fact, I love to uh, illustrate my points with little stories. Let me tell you this. They, first of all, they chase sales, not profit. And secondly... The big example is they lost an entire trainload of lumber on a job site that had been signed off on by a project manager the night before. And in the morning, it wasn't there. So what makes growth risky is lack of control, lack of preparation, and lack of, as you said, focus on the best practices. So, you know, right now the market's pretty hot, right? Everybody I'm talking to, pretty much, I'd say 90% of the contractors or modelers that I'm talking to, 
are saying, oh, man, we don't need to market. Leads are coming in the door. They're closing. They're getting their prices. It's all fantastic. Of course they want to take advantage of this because a lot of them remember what happened in the Great Recession, right? So they want to jump on it and take advantage of it now. Good, bad, should they? Should they I mean, Should they go it after it? Should they not go after it? It depends. So let me give you an example of somebody in one of our Remodelers Advantage meetings in the last couple of years. This person had invested something like $250,000 of his family's money, um, his and his wife, to develop a phenomenal showroom. So he was really excited because he was investing in marketing and he had invested in the showroom. The fact that he had very low customer satisfaction and in many cases he didn't know what it was at all and didn't have a production team to support the new sales he might be generating didn't occur to him until after the fact when he couldn't handle that rush of leads and i don't think he's failed yet but he's way on his way oh boy should people should people take advantage of it absolutely but they should not take advantage of it without preparation due diligence some sort of higher level view of what should come first, second, and third in terms of their growth strategy. So are there predictable stages of growth that people can pay attention to? Are there, are there mile markers that they should notice as they're growing to say, yes, it's time to turn up the gas? Well, right now, obviously, as you just said, it's been a perfect time to turn up the gas. But in my mind, there are so many different ways to grow that if you can prioritize them, you might be able to do a better job of of maintaining control and therefore profitability. And profitability to me goes hand in hand with customer satisfaction. My favorite way to grow is to increase customer satisfaction and then raise your prices. You don't have to sell more jobs. You can sell jobs at a higher profit margin, do the same amount of work, same amount of jobs, maybe even maintain the same crew size without taking all the risks that are inherent with hiring new field employees especially. You can grow profitably in that way. You know, I was talking to somebody today, a new member, who was saying that he wanted to grow to he didn't know, three to five million. He wasn't sure which of those, but he wanted to grow pretty considerably from where he is now. And I was looking at his financial statements, and we couldn't really make head or tails of them. What are your thoughts on that? Uh-oh, bad plan. First of all, it used to be that people would say they want to grow from a million five to two, and now they're all saying three to five. I can't tell you how many people I've heard over the last few years say, oh, well, my goal is three to five, which means to me they don't really know why they're growing. They've just heard that number thrown out. It's like, uh, let's throw it against the wall and see what sticks. The big question you ask, the day in the weeds question you ask is, if your financials don't prove how well you're implementing your strategy, or we can't even see what your strategy is through your financials, you're not ready to grow. So Judith, can you explain the stages of growth? Sure, you've fallen right into my trap. (laughs) This comes from a Harvard Business Review article, May 1983, um, discussing predictable stages of growth that any company, no matter what they do or where they are, will go through on a, on a journey, let's say, uh, from the beginning of the company to the final stable exit plan. Stage one, the owner does everything. Stage two, the owner starts to hire and delegate. Stage three is the uh, owner only really operates in the sales and perhaps estimating realm. Stage four 
the development of a sales force and the removal of the owner from almost from most of day-to-day operations except for mentoring and training and then stage five is the long-term or the exit strategy where the owner is totally removing themselves. So is there a, a sweet spot in there? Where, where's the best place to be? In my experience over decades, the best place to be is a stage three company. This is where the owner has their span of control touching the employees, which can, of course, create and maintain customer satisfaction, as well as touching the clients, which does the same thing, creates and maintains client satisfaction. So stage three is a perfect sweet spot. I've seen so many people, especially during the um, big debacle, 2008, 2010, and now say, oh, I really want to remove myself from company operations. I'm hiring a sales force. And I put my hand to my forehead and go, no, 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 please don't. That's about as risky a proposition. And I only know potentially 5% of successful transitions to that level. Wow. So Judith, so if the sweet spot is stage three, why would somebody want to go to four or five? Why don't, why doesn't everybody stay at three? You know what? That's a really good question, Mark. And I ask people that all the time (laughs) Um, because people seem to think differently than I do in many cases. Also, Because they're young and they're driven by entrepreneurial spirit, which is how you started this conversation, right? Oh, yes, said Victoria. Look, 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 there are all these opportunities. I'm going to take advantage of them. And so they think that in order to do that, they have to sell more jobs. In order to sell more jobs, they have to hire people to do it. But you can't sell a company if you're in stage three, right? It's not saleable. So if somebody ever wants to sell their company, they've got to go to at least stage four, don't they? They have, and you're not going to like this at all, because what is, why, why do you need to sell it? You can make so much money as a single uh, stage three company with a really good middle management, great production, great financial control, great marketing, even an outside estimator. You can make so much money. You can secure your retirement. You can have a really good niche in the marketplace. I call this a high-level boutique company. Mm-hmm. And you don't run the risk of developing an effective sales force, which one more time is the most risky transition from late stage three to early stage four I've seen. Wow, that's pretty interesting. So how large can you get? How, what revenue about, I mean, is there a, like if you're a stage three company, the owner's still very involved, do you think they could get to be what, six, eight, 10? What could they do revenue wise? (laughs) It depends on who you are and <laughs> your your marketplace. We know some people who can sell five, six million on their own. Those are, again, the outliers. And I'm always focused on the middle of the bell-shaped curve. I'm not focused on the few people who have actually proven me wrong at every single step. Um, and I'm not interested in the people who really don't have what it takes to be able to build a sustainable company because they're always jumping around from idea to idea and they can't seem to focus on, you know, there are only really five departments in the company that have to function well, but it starts with the leadership. So I'm not interested in that part of the bell-shaped curve either. I'm interested in the people who are in the middle who want to develop a really effective stage uh, free company. It depends on the market. It depends on the size of the jobs. But I've seen people 
fitting that criteria in a good stage three company making 650000 mm. You know, do you think that they, so many people focus on trying to build a company they can sell? Well, this is my theory. See if you agree. Because they have not consistently made money in their business, so therefore they have not been able to save up for all the things they want to save up for, so they're relying on their ability to sell their company to finish up their financing of their retirement and so on. That's a fool's errand. How in the world would you, why would you buy a company that hasn't made money consistently I know, over time? right? But like you say, there it's, you go. it's so much more difficult to build a company to sell it with the sales force and all that than to just run a really profitable business for 20 years, socking away all the money you need, living the life you want. So it does seem a little silly that people are so intent upon growing. I think they're intent upon growing because we, we are always as, um, human beings, I think we're always looking uh, for aspirations to people who are better than we are. And especially in Remodelers Advantage, we see so many really great companies, a few of which can do that, the majority of which transfer either to a um, a long-term employee or employees, a few employees, or to family members. These still are exceptions to the rule. So people see that, they aspire to that, they hope to become that. But they're not really being uh, reflective as to what their skills are and what their strengths are and how they can do better at just being themselves. So you do agree in general that companies, what's that saying? If you're not growing, you're dying? Yeah, but growth doesn't necessarily mean volume. It means an education in uh, company culture, in employee satisfaction, in gross profit margins. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So you can still do two and a half or three million at a higher gross profit, make a much better bottom line, put away for your retirement, and become a stronger, stronger member of the community mm-hmm. than going out and trying to double your volume. First of all, nobody should grow. I don't believe anybody should grow over fifteen to eighteen percent. Anything over twenty percent is crazy. Now I know a few people do it. But then a few people jumped the Grand Canyon, too, on a motorcycle. <laughs> Have they really? <laughs> All right. So if, I think so. I don't know. If you were to advise, pretend we're one of your many consulting clients, and if you were to advise uh, us on the top five things that we should do to build this superior company, whether we ever grow into stage four or five, what are the top five things we should do to really build a strong, sustainable, highly profitable business? That's interesting. The first column I ever wrote for Ramallah Magazine, it used to be the back page of the benchmark column, was called the Snippy. And it was an index that took customer satisfaction and net profit and put them together. And what that means is, to my mind, the first two things to look at, and I think they are simultaneous issues, and you can't you can't have one without the other. <laughs> customer satisfaction and net profit. Customer satisfaction means you're doing everything right or most things right from the sales process to the job completion. Net profit means you understand your numbers, you understand where overhead goes, and you understand how important it is to leave equity in the company as well as to provide personal equity. So those two things are the first. After that, it becomes the very, um, the very difficult and interesting process of building an effective company culture. Because when you grow to a stage three, you're going to have 
many employees, well, many, uh, you know, somewhere between five and maybe 12. If you're doing a bit of finished carpentry and production management in-house, you're going to have to build a good company that doesn't rely on hiring, firing, training, exiting a whole bunch of employees over time. You don't want to be the company, and I know many companies like this in this economy, who have to feel like they develop a hamster wheel. Well, he didn't stay. So we're, we've got continue. You have to have a continuous ad out all the time because, as Rosie Romero says, you have to keep looking for the very best and bringing them in when they appear. But on the other hand, you don't want to be putting in new ads every couple months because you've lost somebody or you're growing mm-hmm. too fast. Mm-hmm. So I'd say the snippy customer satisfaction, net profit, which references um, your understanding of the sales to production process and the importance of taking care of your clients, and net profit, which means you understand your numbers and where the money's going. And then you have to build a good company culture. All this comes under the big umbrella of leadership. If you are a good leader, you understand the importance of prioritizing these things and working on them consistently. Judith, you, you're the one that told me that more remodeling companies fail in expansion, economic expansion than contraction. Why do you think that is? We've got on the Remodelers Advantage website this absolutely phenomenal little calculator called, and I'm hoping you're going to help me, um, Cash Required for Growth. Is that what it's called? Something very close to that. We can put it in the yeah, something. show notes. I think the reason is because people haven't done what I've been advocating. And, of course, I never did this when I was young. I understand exactly uh, what I'm talking about because I see the error of my ways. Um <laughs> People don't put aside enough cash. They don't know how much it's going to cost, and they don't make a game plan for three to five years and then watch it. Most people, most owners of remodeling companies are very motivated entrepreneurial people who want to sell and market and don't necessarily find the people or focus themselves on the underlying metrics that prove that that strategy is working. They run out of cash. They churn through employees. They don't maintain customer satisfaction or net profitability. Yeah. All these opportunities exist, right? All these beautiful opportunities in the marketplace. But there are some that you shouldn't take. So, for example, you shouldn't take that whale that you referenced in the beginning, Mark. I can't tell you how many people I have seen go down because they took the whale. The whale, in my definition, is the absolutely exquisite job that you always dreamed of. It's like, I don't know, this is going to date me, but it's like wanting to date Cindy Crawford, going out with Cindy Crawford once and thinking that the rest of your life you will be dating or maybe even marrying someone of that caliber when actually you were a nerd in high school, right? That's not going to happen. But how, but how do you walk away from Cindy Crawford? I mean, that's what I'm saying. How can they, I mean, you can't just look at her and she says, let's go out. And you say, no, Judith says no. <laughs> My point exactly. That's why so many people are flailing right now. Let me give you an example. I know a really, really, really good uh, remodeler. This is a story from five years ago. A really good remodeler who built an absolutely exquisite property. It was probably a $12 million project on the East Coast for a uh, an intellectualized celebrity, let's say. So I visited this property. I went to the open house for the uh, subcontractors, the trades, and all the people who worked on it. It was amazing. The owner of the remodeling company thought, aha, 
I've waited all my life for this. I've never done a job larger than a million and a half. I've waited all my life for this. I will be this person. He didn't have another job like that for seven years. Mm-hmm. Because that wasn't what the company was. That wasn't who he was. He just got lucky. The whale swam by. He took it for some reason I don't know. And he, he paid for it dearly. You know, a lot of pitfalls that could happen when you're trying to grow. You do have to have that cash. You do have to be able to finance all those purchases. You really have to be careful about the money inflow and outflow, have a plan. A lot of details to think about. The discipline it Yeah, would but take. I think most importantly is you happen to know who you are. What do you do well? What do you need from this adventure? You know, maybe you need a date with Cindy Crawford to lift your um, spirits, right? But mm. you don't have to marry her. <laughs> Good, good. Glad to hear that. (laughs) So I got one last question for you, Judith. Okay. Are you ready for the lightning round? Oh, okay, good, great. I'm ready. (laughs) And now, here's the Remodeler's Advantage lightning round. It's a trap. Put 60 seconds on the clock. Here we go. What's your favorite business book and why? My favorite business book is Construction Contractor's Survival Guide by Thomas Schleifer, S-C-H-L-E-I-F-E-R. It's an old book, but it's still in print. It's an expensive book, but it's worth every penny. It tells the 10 reasons contractors fail, and I've used it for years, and I guarantee that they are applicable to your small little remodeling company as well as to a $50 million remodeling company. And one of them talks about the dangers of growth, of um, uncontrolled growth. Another one of them talks about the dangers of changing accounting systems, which many people do like they change their shoes. If you weren't a consultant and facilitator, what do you think you would be doing? I'd really like to be a road engineer. I have no idea why our roads are so messed up and why I have to especially as an old person, transfer over five lanes to get on the on the freeway and then get off the freeway within, you know, 40 seconds. I don't know why I have to deal with that. Good one. What are you not very good at? I'm not very good at organization. <laughs> your room, your desk, or your car, which do you clean first? You know, most of those are pretty clean. I clean my desk. I tell people when I go to their offices that I didn't bring my calipers, but do you mind if I straighten these corners? What's the weirdest thing I'd find in your refrigerator right now? (laughs) The weirdest thing you would find in my refrigerator right now is an excess of enthusiasm. (laughs) I don't even understand that. I came home. I I came home from a month-long trip. I immediately went out and said, I'm going to start cooking again. I'm so excited. And I haven't gotten around to cooking some of those things that are probably going to get thrown out today. Okay, great. Those are some good answers. I think you would be a superb road engineer, actually. Don't you? <laughs> <laughs> well, Judith, this has been Thank you. this has been great. I've really enjoyed talking to you about growth, and I hope that people pay attention. So I think that there are so many opportunities. It can be easy to be distracted and take your eye off those basics that need to constantly be watched or else. I couldn't agree more. Thank okay. you so much, Judith, for being here. Now, before we go... I want you to share your five words of wisdom with our listening audience. Be considered generous and kind. Now, why does that resonate with you? Tell us about that. Be considered is basically what we've been talking about. Don't don't jump off the bridge without a, a flowy. Being generous helps you, and it's probably 
simultaneous with being kind, but being generous means helping all the people in your arena, in your community. It helps build it. Not, it's not only good for the company, it's good for your soul. And being kind is the, the emotional part of that to the degree that you can listen to and try to understand people who are different than you are. You are helping the world become a better place right now. We need a lot of that. Yep. I agree with that. Thank you so much, Judith. We look forward to being with you at more roundtable meetings and tell people Thank how, you so much. if somebody needs uh, QuickBooks assistance or wants to talk to you about consulting, how would they reach out to you? They would reach out to me at JF Miller at remodelservices.com. Okay. Well, we'll put that in the show notes. Yes. Thank you so much. Nice talking to you. Thank you. Bye, you guys. All right. Thanks, bye-bye. Pleasure. So, you know, I think that this is a really important topic, especially right now when the market seems to be so hot. It's, it, you know, it blows my mind that you should be worried. Mm-hmm. You know, it just goes, it's like everything's rocking. Everybody's just, leads are falling out of the sky and, Money's rolling in and everybody's just loving life right now. Mm-hmm. And you just don't want to have to worry. When do I get to stop worrying? Well, I don't think, I don't know if it's a worrying exactly. It's more paying attention and making sure you stick with the basics and you don't allow yourself to drop your systems or drop the, the, the best practices that you've learned and embedded in your company. Don't get so exuberant that you drop the ball on all those things that are the safety net to making sure you're making the right decisions. Well, you know, it's funny because literally not even no joke this morning, I had a call and one of our members was just super excited because he's got not one, but two whale projects just came through that he's bidding on and he really thinks he's going to get. And I just echoed that because I've seen it. Just yeah. like Judith, it's mm-hmm. it just can be the death of you, and he's super excited about it. And but I mean, who has the discipline to say no to Cindy Crawford? Right, you know? exactly. It's like, yeah, I mean, mm-hmm. if if it's sitting there right in front of you, asking you to go out, how do you say no? And I'm again, not. you know, just as many people have been successful with those whale projects, we've seen them people be successful as often as we've seen that destroy a company. You know, so if you're very conscientious and you plan ahead carefully. Prove it out on paper. Make sure it's going to work there. Your chances are a lot better to pull it off and come out the other side with a bunch of profit, a happy client, and a very cool project in your portfolio. Yeah. I was really interested that Judith wants to be a road engineer. (laughs) And also in a different context, she wanted to fix, like, cutting across six lanes. Yes. And I'm wondering, do you think Judith is the kind of person that would drive 15 miles with her left blinker on? (laughs) God, I hope not. I don't think so. I think she's a pretty darn good driver. I think, um, if I recall correctly, a tad of a lead foot, but, you know, really good driver. Really? Get out of here. Yeah. Well, anyway, another good episode, good topic, good business talk. (laughs) Good business talk. You can edit that out. You think? Well, I love having Judith on, so. Mm, She's always tons of fun to talk to, so another one in the can. Yes, it is. All right, well, let's have Naomi take us away. Thanks all for being here. I'm Mark Rory. Victoria Downing. Thanks. This has been another episode of Power Tips Unscripted, the Remodeler's Guide to Business. Visit www.remodelersadvantage.com to learn more about Roundtables, our world-class peer advisory program. 
There you can also find information about our business consulting services, upcoming live events, and much more. And finally, don't forget to subscribe to the show and comment on iTunes. Thanks for listening. It's a beautiful day.